0: With the national incidence rate of 1 in 88 individuals under the age of 18 diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder in the United States, the CDC categorizes this disease as a significant public health issue. If you haven't met or know someone impacted by autism spectrum disorder yet, with incident rates this high, you're guaranteed to know many during your lifetime. You're listening to Reach ReachMD. I'm Paul Ruckuski, your host, and with me today is Mercedes Ignasiak and Vanessa Vega both parents of a child on the autism spectrum. Today, we're discussing the parents' perspective of autism spectrum disorder and how it impacts not only their children diagnosed with autism, but their entire family. Welcome, ladies.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So I'm going to just uh, jump right into this. So Mercedes, give us a little bit of background about you and your family.
2: Okay. I'm married and I have two children. I have a 24-year-old young man who is the one that's diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder, and I have a 21-year-old daughter who is now college age. Uh, So my home consists of just the four of us, and my father lives with us as well. My son at 24, um, years ago when we had him diagnosed, the autism spectrum disorder was not something that was really made aware of in the community. Years ago when we had noticed that he had had some developmental delays we had had him taken to various physicians and different things but we really didn't know that you know this is what he had so we've been really on quite a journey (laughs) and uh, now at 24 he's done really well made a lot of strides and uh, in our household we're always
1: learning every day.
0: That's great so Vanessa tell us a little about yourself and your family.
1: Sure, in our family, uh we have one child, uh seven and a half years old, on the autism spectrum um and we are both um challenged by the diagnosis a little bit because we're both full time working parents in corporate America. um Our child, in our case, was diagnosed at a time when the awareness of this thing called autism was a little bit more prevalent. Um, He was diagnosed at age three, and I had noticed uh, symptoms of developmental delay or potential developmental delay as early as about 16 months. So in my case, I was very proactive in terms of trying to find answers for what might be affecting our son and uh, worked very, very closely partnering with the various physicians um, and various specialties that um, worked with him to arrive at that diagnosis.
0: Mercedes, what prompted you to seek answers many years ago when your son was much younger, obviously?
2: Well many years ago and, and you know, as Vanessa had pointed out, there the time my son was diagnosed with a developmental delay, there really wasn't an awareness of autism or the spectrum or Asperger syndrome. We had just noticed that when he was about two years old, you know, he really wasn't reaching the milestones that, you know, we expected. He wasn't speaking. His gross motor was a little bit impaired, as well as his fine motor skills. And we had, you know, pretty much gone to the pediatrician, and they had kept a watch on it. But they really weren't as, I guess, you know, aware themselves what this could be. And in some cases, they just said, just watch it, and maybe he'll grow out of it. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes you hear things that boys are a little bit slower, in their development, so it was kind of something like that that we were looking at when we saw that our son was not progressing as you know as we watched um, we had pretty much then became proactive and said to at the time our pediatrician that we really wanted to go seek out another professional just to find out what our gut had told us that we definitely had you know something that we needed to get addressed because. It was more than just a slow development. There was certainly a problem. Um, And some of the things that really made us seek this out was not only was his language delayed, but we did really see that our son was developing great anxiety and had socialization issues whenever we were in the public or even around other, you know, extended family um, gatherings. So this is pretty much where then at that time we became proactive to seek out a medical professional. But at that time there really weren't specialists to go see and we weren't sure where to go. And in addition to that, years ago when my son was diagnosed, this is going back around like 91, 92, you didn't even have the internet out. So most of the time parents like myself, we were calling hospitals or we were looking in the, you know, the phone books looking for directories to see who else we could find. I mean, we would get referrals from our pediatrician, but, you know, sometimes we just needed, you know, other options as well. So it was really a challenging time like that. And and as I see now, which is nice, is that there are a lot more resources available to parents. And, you know, one thing I have to say, the Internet is really truly a godsend that does help. In education um, for parents as well as professionals too.
0: So when exactly did you get the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder? How old was your son when that happened and did you get diagnoses prior to that?
2: No, what happened with my son back then in the early 90s, um, they weren't really diagnosing anyone with Asperger's or autism. We actually were just getting what I call vegetable soup diagnoses. Um, every time we went to a physician, and we did end up going to a, a neurodevelopmental pediatrician who was wonderful, um, but each time we went with an issue, you know, if it was a language problem, you know, fine motor skills problem, we would get the diagnosis of, say, expressive receptive language disorder. We would get fine motor disorder, and that would be added to his, you know, his diagnoses there, and then. As he was maturing and getting older, we noticed that, you know, we were actually seeing some attention deficit disorder with our son. So that ended up to be another diagnosis our son had. So by the time he was about 10 and 11, we did have some medication into our son just to address some of the attention deficit disorder and also some anxiety. But what came out then was um, obsessive-compulsive disorder, once that final component, at that time, I'm going to say when my son was about 11, once that was diagnosed, the pediatrician, or neurodevelopmental pediatrician then said to us, aha, he has an autism spectrum disorder. And I looked at her and I said, well, what is that? And again, this is the early, like mid-90s. She said all the components of all of his diagnoses over the years has been autism spectrum disorder, but I didn't give that the final component or we noticed it of obsessive compulsive disorder. So back then in the 90s, they didn't really recognize it as quickly or at least gave that diagnosis. And um, so now, like I said, they, you know, it's nice to see that physicians are recognizing it more that when they see these components, they're not waiting. It seems like they're addressing it right away and actually recognizing these symptoms.
0: Excellent. So Vanessa, your son was diagnosed by your pediatrician, a developmental pediatrician, who, and at, at what age?
1: My son was diagnosed by a developmental pediatrician at age two with a different diagnosis. Um, his diagnosis then was developmental language delay. And then when he was formally three years old, because he had some challenges with transitions and with change in general, the uh, pediatrician switched the diagnosis to PDDNOS, which is on the autism spectrum.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Paul Ruckuski, and I'm speaking with Mercedes Ignasiak and Vanessa Vega. We're talking about a parent's perspective on autism spectrum disorder. So very different times that your sons were diagnosed at very different times, one in the mid-90s and one just a few years ago. After you get that diagnosis, what was the next thing that your physician guided you to do? And Mercedes, I'll have you start with that?
2: what our pediatrician or neurodevelopmental pediatrician suggested is that we have an IEP written and that we be proactive in obtaining for our son the various services he needed, such as speech therapy, occupational therapy, and to deal with some of his anxiety. They also recommended that we maybe have him get some individual psychotherapy to help deal with some of the anxiety. Uh, What I really had liked about Our neurodevelopmental pediatrician is that she wanted to address all of our son's issues by not just medication but also therapies. And she looked at his diagnosis and wanted him treated as a whole. And in addition to that, the school district was, um, it was imperative that he receive these services for himself so that he could, you know, become a success. So what we did was we partnered with our school district, and we created the IEPs to address the needs that he had. Uh, He was put into smaller group settings in school. And at the time in the 90s, what they did with our children is they put them in learning support, language support programs so that they were in small groups, and they were able to get that almost individualized attention in that smaller group. And together with a special ed teacher, they also had a teacher's assistant in the classroom as well to follow through, which was nice. Uh, We were also very proactive in getting our child speech therapy, both in the school district and privately. One of the things that we made sure we did was through the state system, we made sure that we actually um, filed out an application uh, for an access card. And that allowed us to get our son's services through Keystone Mercy Insurance. And that helped get and pay for the services, both in the school district as well as privately. So all of this aggressive treatment really helped, and it was an intense therapy treatment for at least five, six years, and it really made a change in our child. So partnering not only just with the physician but with our school district and also with all our therapists, that really was the key, and we worked as a team with the parents and the professionals to really develop a plan and follow through to ensure the success.
0: And just for our listeners, that uh, medical access card is something specific to individuals residing in Pennsylvania. That's going to vary state by state, and some people's medical benefits may cover these things, and some things may be out of pocket, and that'll vary from state to state. So, Vanessa, similar question to you. Where did You start your path of navigating the system after you got your initial diagnosis.
1: Well, as you can imagine, Paul, I mentioned that my son had a different diagnosis that was uh, not at all autism related at age two. And when his neurodevelopmental pediatrician actually came with the uh, autism diagnosis, uh, we were a little shell shocked. You know, I have to share that as a parent. I think, you know, one of a parent's greatest fears is when someone, particularly somebody in a medical profession, comes to you and says, your child may never be able to. Those are the seven words that I, you know, can almost guarantee most parents will never want to hear. So our initial reaction was, okay. So what does this mean in terms of limitations, in terms of potential, in terms of, you know, any question that that comes to mind at the time. And when we had the benefit that you know our neuro, neurodevelopmental pediatrician is very very focused specifically in autism, and she very patiently answered questions and encouraged us to as Mercedes referenced, go on the Internet and read more about the diagnosis, read more about the, the options that are available for therapies. So that's really where we went, you know, with her advice. She mentioned occupational therapy. She mentioned speech therapy. In his case, he didn't have a significant gross motor delay, so physical therapy wasn't something that we pursued initially. Um, but we went to the Internet just to really learn more about, you know, so I have this diagnosis, what now? And that really helped me, as a parent, and my husband as well, whenever we took him to a follow up physician to be prepared to bring up specific questions that we wanted answers from you know from our physicians so that we can work as a team and guide that therapy, guide that treatment protocol in a way that's beneficial to our son and we really have seen nice gains from that we've started extensive uh, speech therapy and occupational therapy going on about four years now and have seen tremendous progress to the point where, you know, God willing, you know, our, our child will be able to be independent to some degree. You know, we've got a long way to go before we get to that stage, but, you know, through hard work, through dedication, it's it's possible. And my advice to parents would be to not get so hung up on the diagnosis but to really kind of mobilize and, and advocate for your child and try to get as much of the, the supports that, that are available to help your child develop to his or her fullest potential. Along those same lines, my advice to a physician would be, um, you know, recognize that when you do hear that, that A word, that autism, that, that it can be a shell shocker to parents. So to the extent that, you know, medical professionals can help parents, cope with that diagnosis and what it means, uh, offer resources, offer insight, and a lot of it is available right now. It it really does set the tone for this is a partnership, and we really do feel that all of the medical professionals that are treating our son, uh, whether they see him on a weekly basis or whether they see him two times a year, are, are part of a team and really kind of working toward a common goal.
0: And that sounds like it's very an important aspect. We see physicians today partnering with a general practitioner, with a specialist, or various specialists coming together to come up with a mutual diagnosis and that the parent is a key component in that team. Many thanks to our guests, Mercedes Ignasiak and Vanessa Vega. We've been discussing autism spectrum disorder. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. And thank you for listening.